Hi, my name is Jessie from the Vegan Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand, and we can be found at www.vegansociety.co.nz, and you are listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to a fairly average episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, Watch the It. I'd like to thank Thomas Yannick for mentioning me in a recent interview held with activist John Sackers. Thomas interviewed me about a year ago for his radio show Wild Time. All this time later, Thomas remembered my little whine about being the only vegan I knew at the time. For the online vegan community, because uh, I know a lot of vegans are grateful for the online vegan community because it helps us to feel less alone. I, I know some vegans who have ne- never met another vegan in person. And yeah, so online is their only way to not feel like a crazy person. You know, they get to feel that they're with like-minded people. I talked to a guy called, I think, Jordan Wyatt. Um, I can't remember where he lives, but he has a blog, uh, Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, I think it's, it's called, if I can remember yeah. that correctly. And uh, he talked to me on the phone or on, on Skype, and he told me that he never had, had met another vegan in person. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, and and he lives in an area where 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 sort of activism is unheard of. So. I'm glad to say I've met at least five vegans who live here in person, and that I'll meet more in the future. I have nothing to complain about, although I do wish Invercargill had a vegan restaurant like the ones in Auckland. To anyone listening who hasn't met another vegan in person yet, hang in there. Start your own one-member vegan society for no other reason than to have fun and to give yourself extra respect by sending in cranky letters to newspapers using your newly made-up title, Jordan Wyatt, Invercargill Vegan Society, invsoc.org.nz. It sounds a lot better than just, ah, that Jordan guy keeps writing and complaining all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if you met other vegans in your area, or in neighbouring areas too. Surely you at least make some great friends online. You're not a crazy person, like George Orwell's 1984 mentions. He wondered, as he had many times wondered before, whether he himself was a lunatic. Perhaps a lunatic was simply a minority of one. There was truth, and there was untruth, and if you clung to the truth even against the whole world, you were not mad. Sanity is not statistical. (laughs) Great book, that 1984. Well worth establishing a, at the time... One member vegan society, along with animal farms, all animals are equal, quote. I wanted to mention the Animals Australia ban live export to Indonesia from Australia campaign. I've seen the video for a recent Animals Australia ad focused on welfare, jobs, being nice to animals, etc. By killing them there in Australia. Yay! As a vet, we've got the training to tell us that animals feel fear and pain. They tend to vocalise, their heart rates go up, they show all the same signs that we do when we're anxious. Let's show the world that animal welfare matters. Let's keep jobs in Australia. I want my children to grow up in a country that respects animals. Come on Prime Minister, let's end live export. The let's keep jobs in Australia 
guy is obviously a slaughterhouse worker, someone who kills these other animals for his living. I think we can do one better. Let's promote veganism. That way, we avoid New Zealanders feeling better about what we do to animals here. Because unlike those awful Australians, we don't live export. And the Australians won't feel Indonesian or Muslim people in general are any more cruel to other animals than they are. Promoting veganism helps all animals, and everywhere, not just X being sent to Y from Z, all the chickens, pigs and sheep, too. Here's a quick story. A man who lived among the rotting remains of eleven women was convicted Friday of killing all of them, bringing closure to a case that has haunted the city of Cleveland ever since the bodies were unearthed from the house that smelled like death. When the bodies were found, police concluded that a, that a nearby sausage shop wasn't the source of the lingering stench of rotting meat, as many neighbours had believed. The family-owned shop had spent 20,000 American dollars on plumbing fixtures, sewer lines and grease traps and futile attempts to get rid of the odour. I find that story interesting as it's so dramatic, rotting remains and the house smelled like death, whatever that's meant to mean. The nearby sausage shop was suspected for that, quote, lingering stench of rotting meat. Gee, it's almost like we humans are animals too, that our bodies also rot, and are made of meat too. Huh, who would have thought? And just think of if a, if a vegan group, people promoting veganism, if they mentioned something about rotting corpses on your plate, people would say, oh, you're being emotive, you're being emotional, you're making that up, you're going over the top, that's exaggeration. But uh, reporting on dead people, which we think is wrong in, in our society, in our civilization, well, that's okay. Sure, rotting bodies and stench. And I mean, I live near a butcher shop, and the things I've smelt from there and the things I've seen, how they often have trucks bringing dead animals in, like a trailer behind the farmer's car, dropping off a dead cow, maybe. Most of the time I don't see the bodies. Um... Yeah, I mean, they leave streaks of blood down the road, honestly. And on the driveway of this butcher shop, there's a lot of moss, and that's from where all the blood's been. The nutrients, as the farmers would call it, the nutrients in the blood, it's made all the mould grow just by the blood being left there, and it's a sort of growth culture for whatever. I have some clips from a recent debate at the National Animal Rights Conference. Not the good New Zealand one. Some jerks in some other country also held the National Animal Rights Conference in some country you've never heard of, tucked away at the top of the world. Here is a debate with Bruce Friedrich of PETA and Alex Hershaft of Farm Animal Rights Movement. They debate a abolition versus welfare reform strategy clips. I don't agree with either necessarily. I'm a vegan against Peter. I don't like their campaigns, their naked women and sexual stunts. I don't like how they ask Canadians to boycott killing friendly chickens. That is, until they start gassing to death my little friends, the Peter-endorsed humane way of gassing innocent little birds to death. Okay, well, it's more a lack of oxygen, drowning without oxygen, than being killed by a gas per se, but you get my drift. Peter endorses this lovely way of killing my chicken friends. Of course, I haven't met the millions of chickens being killed in Canada. I've only visited Australia and this other country called Auckland. Only kidding, it's New Zealand's largest city. I've never been to North America. I like to think strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. If those chickens were staying here with me, I'd bet they'd be eating grain out of my hand within a week, that we would be friends. From what I've seen, Farm also promote go-veg-style campaigns with a meat-out Monday. It might sound picky, but I'd rather support a group that supported vegan every day. 
I don't agree with either group. Invisoc, the Invercargill Vegan Society, has my full support, and that's because I founded the thing myself, rolling with an iron fist. If I decide peanut butter is superior to raspberry jam on toast, then that's official Invercargill Vegan Society policy. Here is Hirschhaft explaining his view first. I'd like to invite Alex Hirschhaft. idea of paying someone an American dollar, otherwise known as a worthless bit of paper, for watching four minutes is a little odd to me. Do you think it's effective? Let's assume it's graphic, i.e. honest, real video of what happens to destroy a someone and to make a something on your plate. Are people going to say, oh, I would have walked away, but in this financial climate with bills to pay, I'd do anything for a dollar. Why, for one US dollar per four minutes, that's 15 US dollars an hour. I'll take this job, sir. I'll be your video watcher. I'm not sure. If it works, paying people a whole American dollar, enough to buy a stalk of celery, uh, sure, okay. Friends, we are a movement based on the highest ethic of respect for life. Our challenge to the consuming public should be not what is the right way to exploit and kill animals, but what gives you the right to exploit and kill animals. Okay, so everyone is on his side. The vegans in the crowd agree with promoting veganism, and not just because they found out that there were two US dollars under their seat for listening to Farm for the eight minutes. Hmm, maybe that's why they were clapping. 
Let's see what happens when Bruce Friedrich speaks, if the whole crowd still agrees with promoting veganism outright, or if Peter has more than a dollar or two to throw around, if the choice between getting a dollar or some kind of lettuce lady, I'd rather look at boobies than get a dollar, Peep Show is the greater bribe. Thank you very much. Um, sort of apropos of nothing, but did people hear that Bill Gates bought the Seattle Times this morning? Yeah, he buys it every morning. Good joke, not. Who the hell buys newspapers in 2011? They were obviously bribed with a crisp dollar bill to clap for that. To uh, just start off by saying that I've been a vegan animal rights activist for 24 years. I, my goal throughout that time has been and continues to be animal liberation, animal rights. Um, at Farm Sanctuary, we live with these animals. We know these animals as individuals. And for the same reason, the vast majority of people in society would never think of eating a dog or a cat. We similarly would never think of eating a chicken or a pig or a cow or any animal. They're all made of flesh and blood and bone. They have the same five physiological senses. They feel pain in the same way. They have the same range of emotions. At Farm Sanctuary, that's our end goal. The question we ask ourselves in every situation at Farm Sanctuary is what is in the best interest of the animals involved? And once we ponder that question and look at it from the perspective of the animals, look at it historically, look at it with our goal of animal liberation, uh, we come to a very different conclusion than uh, Alex Hersheft, for whom I have the utmost respect. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Okay, starting off really good, Mr. Bruce Friedrich. That's how I always see his name, Friedrich Friedrich. Getting the crowd on his side. I've been vegan for a long time. I respect that other guy talking before me. If you liked what he said, you should like me too. But... Logically, they go insane. And this is a significant improvement for those animals. For applying the golden rule across the species barrier, this strikes me as a no-brainer. Similarly, this is a battery cage. Right now, there are 50 million hens living an average of nine hens per cage. There are 50 million hens who are literally living one on top of the other. There are another 230 million hens who are living like this, which is five hens to a cage. Not one hen can spread one wing. There are tens of millions of hens who are being force-molted every single year. Their bodies are starved for two weeks to shock them into another laying cycle, although about 10% of those animals die in the process. The agreement that the HSUS came to, to with the UEP with the support of the ASPCA, Farm Sanctuary, Mercy for Animals, and many other groups will, within a year, if it's passed, it will eliminate force-molting, which will spare 50 million hens a misery that none of us can easily imagine. And although obviously all of us w wish the phase-in period were, were shorter, uh, what it means is not an extra inch. The way that the people who disparage the welfare reforms, you know, they're, they're always saying the welfare reforms aren't meaningful, it's an extra inch for the animals, you know, sort of poo-pooing it, and they have to do that. Because colony cages, the cages are 20 times as big with half the stocking density. 
The animals have the entire range of the cage to move around in. Do we want them in cages at all? Of course not. But if you are living in this, do you want to spend the rest of your life in this? Or would you actually be, like to be able to move? They also have nesting boxes. They have perches. They have places to lay their eggs. They go from complete physiological wasting away to actually being able to move around. They effectively have more than 100 times as much space per bird, as well as psychological stimulation. I mean, Alex brought up the idea of uh, the death penalty. Would we fight for more humane ways of the death penalty? Are you kidding? Read the newspaper. They are fighting for more humane ways of administering the death penalty. If you're somebody who's going to be, you know, if they're going to slowly torture you to death, or they're going to do something that's humane, of course, that's going to, you know, put you to death quickly and painlessly, of course, people are fighting for better ways of killing people because that's what you would want if you were in that situation. Better ways of unjustly killing people? We sure as hell didn't do that in New Zealand, mate. We banned all capital punishment. True, for everything but the crime of alleged treason first, then everything later. But we didn't spend all our time and effort on better ways to kill New Zealand citizens. The same with New Zealand ban against nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons of mass destruction coming into our harbours from other countries. We said get the blink out. We took a stand. We didn't roll over, tongue hanging out like a good little democrat. We stood the hell up for a principle. This is unacceptable, damn it. Get that thing the hell out of here. True. New Zealand telling America not to bring their weapons into our country, the superpower fighting a second superpower at the time, the Soviet Union. What did they have to fear from a country of a couple million people? Well, we stood up to them. We said no, damn it. We would have non-violently walked over the water. Us Southern Hemisphere people have that power, you know. We would have climbed into the barrels of their guns, put ourselves through the warship's propellers. We would have jammed the machinery with our own spines. We'd have stood up for what we believed in, and it would have been non-violent. Well, uh, unless you count half the country being munched up by gears, cogs, radiation, and other assorted machinery as violent, I guess. Less dramatically, and more factually, we made ourselves heard. Our Prime Minister spoke in a debate with representatives of the USA. You know, the whole president didn't bother showing up to debate with that little minor nation of New Zealand. Thanks, Reagan. The whole world saw what we believed in, what we stood for. I've linked to the debate video in my show notes at the bottom of this episode's script, which you can find at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz. And you know what? This little chihuahua's yapping made the big dog back away. Our country is anti-nuclear, anti-death penalty. Although, we do have our share of people screeching about a slap over the hand with a wet bus ticket whenever murderers get five years in prison or whatever. And apparently, one of our prisons in Auckland gives all inmates televisions and non-vegan ice cream every night to keep them good little boys and girls. Let's stand up for what we believe in. We are vegan. We believe other animals matter. Let's tell them what we believe to be the truth. It's not like we have to foul up the slaughterhouse machinery with our very bodies, uh, right? Similarly, they're also fighting for better conditions, better visiting conditions, better legal conditions. Like, this is a no-brainer if we are talking about human beings. We absolutely, even if human beings, even political prisoners, we want them released, they shouldn't be in jail in the first place, but we also want better visitation, we want better conditions, we want better food. If you're in jail and you're a vegan, Maybe you shouldn't be in jail, but you want better conditions, even as a vegan, and you want vegan food. You want welfare reforms. And then finally, this is a veal, this is a veal crate. 
Obviously, veal crates, this is uh, where this calf will spend uh, his entire life. And this is the uh, crate-free veal. The difference between this and this for the animals involved is huge. And I'm convinced that it's only speciesism that would have people stand up here and say that because we believe it, even if we believe that placated consciences, even if we believe that you know, not having as good a video to show on the sidewalk would mean some people were going to eat more meat, that we would sell out animals and disparage the very meaningful reforms for them and basically say we're going to trade on their suffering to have a better argument. There's no circumstance in which we would do that with human beings. I think it's a deeply speciesist argument. And purely on this basis alone, it sounds nice, right? Not bigger cages, but no cages. It sounds nice, but if you're the, we would never say something like that if these were human beings involved. And uh, I think on that basis alone. But it's also true that welfare reform is crap. No, he didn't really say that last bit. But boy, what he did say... The idea that vegans promoting veganism using graphic, i.e. honest videos of actual conditions to help our campaigns, while many of my friends do show potentially upsetting video, I don't. I made the decision not to use violent images as a primary educational material. I've built up a callus to other animals being killed, shot, cut, bled to death. I feel like I've seen it all before, that I've turned off my tears, my sadness, and turned up my love. That sounds like a sappy romantic song, right? Words that he might say. Turn on your heart lights. Let it shine wherever you go. Just let it make a happy glow for all the world to see. Come on, turn on your heart lights. In the young boy's dream Don't wake me up too soon I'm gonna take a ride across the moon Ha! Huh, you call that an emotional song written about the movie E.T.? I'm an unreliable narrator though, listeners. When I want you to laugh at a clip, I make sure to play an AM, radio, vinyl, record sounding copy. When I want you to enjoy a clip, I make sure it's good, iPhone quality. Like, oh, let's say this one, written for the movie E.T. by one M. Jackson. of a spark that comes shining through it tells you never be afraid when somewhere in your heart you can feel the glow a light to keep you warm when the night winds blow like it was written
That's a damn right. What a great song. Someone in the Dark by Michael Jackson. I think about my lost chicken friends while hearing that song, but rather than pretending your lost pets are the brightest star in the sky, son, or that one day I'll see them again in some wonderland on top of the clouds, you know, after I die, a place where my homosexual friends won't be allowed in past St. Peter, the bouncer guarding the non-vegan gates made from pearls, it's nicer to realise my lost friends are not some huge ball of gas a few trillion light years away that I'll never be able to see except for when Mr. Sun is taking a nap, nor that they live on in my glowing heart. What am I, bloody Iron Man? But that I can see Miss Hen and Mr. Rooster any time I like, through my videos taken of us all together, many of which are on YouTube, and my memories of them, and the hens still with us. They are dead. They live on in memory. Somewhere in your heart you can feel the glow A light to keep you warm when the night winds blow Look for the rainbow in the sky Oh, I believe you and I could never really stay I've built up a callus to graphic images through repeated exposure. I no longer get upset by past events. There's nothing we can do to help those dead. We can help the living. The only emotion I want to instill in people listening is of awe, to be blown away that there was ever so talented an individual as Michael Jackson around. Oh, and if there's side effects of respect for other animals, that's a bonus too. I like to focus on gentle videos of my chicken friends. I usually don't edit the videos in any way. I press record on my phone, I press stop, I upload the video to YouTube to share with others. And over a thousand people have seen some of the videos. About 10,000 views in total for all my videos. They are lovely for who they are. They don't need any overdubbing or visual effects. We should respect them for who they are, not who they belong to. They matter for being themselves, for being someone. I do believe the animals film and earthlings are valuable resources. I wouldn't immediately show them to someone though. I don't want to make the focus of my veganism, you don't want to be an evil cruel exploiter do you? Do you? Look at the blood, that's your fault. I want to present a case that chicken friends are just as valuable as you or I, assuming you're not in fact a chicken friend listening into this episode on your iPod touch. You know who really does focus on finding the most gruesome videos? The same handful of photos and videos of a few dying amongst all the tens of billions killed each year? Why? The welfare promoting groups, who seem to be able to say, you see this blood and guts, this is cruel, this is wrong, this is inhumane. They can just say, you see, you see, we have to stop this, as if it's a case in itself. From the two presentations, Alex Hershoft of Farm and Bruce Fried Friedrich of Peter, which one focused on showing cages and cruel treatment? Well, they apparently both show potentially upsetting evidence of non-veganism, but it's far from a tenant of promoting veganism. Thou shalt upset thou'st non-vegans watching with graphically revolting ist imagery thou. 
whereas it seems it makes up the whole campaign for welfare reforms. Oh, they just want to keep them suffering so they can benefit from this as a cruel resource to show... What a cheap thing to say, and not cheap as in being given a dollar, but cheap as in, and nasty. ...that is out on the streets passing out the vegan literature and fighting for the welfare reforms and working step by step, we're optimistic. We're absolutely convinced that we can appeal to people's better natures, and that when we do that, when they're confronted by the fact that they're supporting this abuse, they will make the changes. The side that wants to trade on animal suffering to have a better argument and that thinks that, that doesn't believe that once people are confronted with the facts of what's happening that they will make the changes, it's a pessimistic argument. I don't think we want to uh, mire ourselves in pessimism. I think we want to be optimistic, or if we're the Animal Agriculture Alliance, pessimistic and recognize that we are absolutely moving toward animal liberation. We're seeing great progress and the welfare reforms are a big part of that progress. If you want additional information, I wrote an article on Huffington Post, getting from A to Z, why animal activists should support incremental reforms to help animals. Thank you very much, and Boris thanks you. I like at the end he showed a picture of a turkey, Boris apparently, and um, you know, he didn't say turkey friend, so I can't sue him for that, I guess I have to let it slide. So you are allowed to use pictures of nice looking birds apparently, to promote veganism without paying me a tithe. We're optimistic, they're pessimistic. Portraying vegans promoting veganism and never asking for larger cages as negative, grumpy moaners, while Fried Rich and Co. are all naked porn stars in victory? Come on, I'm optimistic about promoting veganism. We are making change, and not changes in, can you give me change for a dollar, and getting four of these quarters I've heard so much about but in making invaluable change for those being killed and hurt. You can't put a price on friendship, although you can apparently put a price on watching four minutes of video and making a salary out of promoting welfare reforms. I agree with Professor Gary Francione when he mentions veganism should be seen as part of the peace movement. We can see ways that our own actions, our choices, represent our society. Look at the UK. People fighting, breaking windows to steal TVs, shoes and shirts. Chavs fighting to get gold jewellery. Although, I guess I can't talk. You've all seen those three movies about New Zealanders fighting over a single gold ring. I hear a couple more of those movies are coming out sometime soon. For the love of dog, people, please see them. Help out the New Zealand economy. I'm thrilled the new Jay-Z, Kanye West album, Watch the Throne, has been released. And not only because it shows it's now acceptable to like Michael Jackson in public. You never would have heard this back when he was in the tabloids all the time. The false accusations. Let off a clip from my automatic weapon yeah. Two shots in the door, it died in Vegas Though it fought so hard, I knew it wouldn't make it I'm a tortured soul, I live in disguise Rest in peace to the leader of the Jackson 5 I died in my sleep, I'm still big pimping I particularly like this song Murder to Excellence, going from one to the other. It samples two songs, one Seely Shave's Mr. Scarification Ceremony from The Colour Purple, written by Alice Walker, the non-vegan woman known for, well, 
Rather than take credit for someone else's work, I'll read from a blog post of Doris Lynn's. The animals of the world exist for their own reasons. They were not made for humans any more than black people were made for whites or women for men. The problem is the quote is taken out of context and Walker wasn't expressing her own views. The source of the quote is Walker's preface to Marjorie Spiegel's 1988 book The, Dread, the Dreaded sorry, Comparison. In fact, the very next sentence is, this is the gist of Miss Spiegel's co cogent, humane and astute argument, and it is sound. Doris included a picture of that page with the full quote, which I've linked to in my show notes. And as my good friend, honorary Invisoc member, and close personal friend of Invercargill Mayor, Tim Shedbolt, Lucas found, Alice Walker's review of The Vegetarian Myth, That We Should Kill Other Animals for Our Health, was used by author and ex-vegan Lear Keith. Quote, the vegetarian myth is one of the most important books people, masses of them, can read, as we try with all our might, intelligence, skill, hope, dream, and memory to turn the disastrous course the planet is on. It's a wonderful book, full of thoughtful, soulful teachings and appropriate rage. My admiration for Lear's sharing of life experience and knowledge is complete. Alice Walker Thanks for your comment on Mylene's My Face is on Fire blog, Lucas. I'll link to it in show notes. Surely, if someone has to be quoted, we can pick a vegan who promotes veganism. Otherwise, it's like calling Peter Singer the father of the animal rights movement, when he doesn't believe in rights as a utilitarian, and is a quote, impure vegan. Personally, I like to think photos and videos of my chicken friends count as quotes, as living statements of why we should respect other animals, including chickens. It works out cheap, too. Get it? Cheap? Cheap, cheap? I don't have to pay them any royalties for using their quote. Here's the song from The Colour Purple, sampled by Jay-Z and Kanye West. Not terrible, but not Quincy Jones' best work either. The guy worked on Thriller. More recognisable as a sample is this Romanian song. And apparently it's a tradition in Romania to only record on the right channel. And putting the two together, here's the new song, Murder to Excellence, from Watch the Throne. Think about all the violence in our own societies that we see in our own everyday lives. From the murder capital where they murder for capital Heard about at least three killings this afternoon Looking at the news like them, I was just with them after school No shop class, but had the school got a tool And a I could die any day type attitude Plus his little brother got shot repping his avenue It's time for us to stop and redefine black power 41 souls murdered in 50 hours Papery murder Black on black murder Papery murder Black murder, yeah. Murder, yeah. It's a genocide. Cause I can still hear his mama cries. Know the family traumatized. Shots left holes in his face. About piranha size. The old pastor closed the cold passing. And said the church ain't got enough room for all the tombs. It's a war going on outside when you ain't safe from. I feel the pain in my city wherever I go. 314 soldiers died in Iraq. 
509 died in Chicago. I arrived on the day Fred Hampton died. Uh, real smoke to fly. Here December 21 is supposed to die. So I'm out here celebrating my post demise. If you put crabs in the barrel to ensure your survival, you gon' end up pulling down to look just like you. What up, blood? What up, cuz? It's all black. I love us. The paper read murder. Black on black murder. The paper read murder. Black on black murder. And how are we going to change the violence in the world from murder into excellence? Well, through consumerism. Duh. It's a celebration of black excellence. Black tie. Black Maybachs. Huh. Yeah. Uh. Black excellence. Opulence. Decadence. Texas next to the president. In the video for the first song, Otis, the first single, they take a 300,000 US dollar Maybach car and cut the roof off, weld bits on. Apparently they are going to auction it off to help an African drought charity. We can enjoy these multi-millionaires kind of ruin a car, shoot a video about how rich and powerful they are, and then someone is to buy the car because it's famous just by having been around them, with the money going to help people who don't have a dollar to their name. Couldn't we instead let these people watch a four minute video a few times? About the number of deaths in one American city, Chicago, compared to all US forces killed in Iraq, Kanye was meaning 2008, when 314 American soldiers died in Iraq, and Chicago reported 509 people dying in violent crimes. It makes you think. Violence is everywhere. Perhaps you might think of the killing of whales as some legendary evil, but no doubt our own countries kill more pigs, sheep, goats and chickens than the number of whales killed overseas. Veganism. Non-violence fits in everywhere. And, as well as making fun of those of us with a lisp, Jay makes a good point, um, without meaning to. Silence of the Lambs, Jay links wearing a sheep's skin coat with the silencing, i.e. killing, of lambs. And Dries, and other boutique stores and patties, and sheepskin coats, I silence the lambs. Do you know who I am, Gladys? No cheap cologne, whenever I sh Success never smells so sweet. I stink of success. The new black elite. Silence of the Lambs made me seriously think about being vegetarian, and later, through understanding, of veganism. The whole killing others, treating them as an it, seeing them as an it. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. The idea of owning someone else, at least in our own minds, through our strength over them, tanning human skin, tanning the skin of other animals. The senator in the televised video, using the kidnapped woman's name, her daughter Catherine, to try and make, make it stick in the killer's mind, that she is a person, she has a name, she's not an it, to try and make it harder to kill her. Reach for a comment on the ski slopes of Stovermont, the president himself said to be, and I quote, intensely concerned. Just moments ago, Senator Martin takes this dramatic personal plea. I'm speaking now to the person who's holding my daughter. Catherine is very gentle and kind. Talk to her and you'll see. You have the power. You are in charge. I know you can feel love and compassion. You have a wonderful chance to show the whole world that you can be merciful as well as strong. 
that you're big enough to treat Catherine better than the world has treated you. You have that power. Please. My daughter is Catherine. Boy, that's smart. Release her unharmed. Jesus, that's really smart. Anywhere she keeps repeating the name. And I promise you... She sees Catherine as a person and not just an object. It's harder to tear her up. Please, release my little girl. Veganism. It's all there in Silence of the Lambs, people. On that note, are my pop culture references too vague? Well, I am a vague Anne. Are my George Orwell vibes too obscure? The USA sounds out of control. Freedom's restricted. Looks like we better liberate them. I'm sure I'll be greeted with open arms as I claim Texas is my own. They have lots of oil still, right? Black gold? Texas tea? And Barbara, Cindy, when I'm in control of Texas, you'll both be allowed to go out and give away all the homemade vegan food you like. Chicago corruption. When Obama got in, talk of all his cronies coming too. The phrase used on every news channel was, Chicago-style politics. Of all levels being completely corrupt, monopolies, backroom deals, bickering, strong-arm tactics. The mafia, really. But that was just a fact of life. In Chicago? Here's a clip from The Daily Show about Blagojevich, well that's how I say his name anyway, that corrupt jerk who had all kinds of shady deals, selling political seats in Chicago to exert influence. Was unusually circumspect. My hands are shaky, my knees are weak, I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. <laughs> Quoting Elvis on your way to hear a criminal verdict and you go with all shook up? Jailhouse Rock doesn't come up in that? <laughs> Suspicious minds? I'm going in a trap. Nothing? Of course, that was on his way to the verdict being read. Afterwards, <laughs> wanted people to know that he'd learned his lesson. Among the many lessons that I've learned from this whole experience is to uh, try to speak a little bit less, so I'm going to keep my remarks kind of short. You weren't convicted of not being concise. <laughs> Ray, your uh, words on Obama's Senate seat. I got this thing, and it's golden, and I'm just not giving it up for nothing. That's actually quite succinct. <laughs> but Rod, <laughs> his before and after reactions are but a small part of what's truly astonishing about this story. Here's the truly astonishing part of this story. Rod Blagojevich is now the fourth out of the last seven elected governors of Illinois to be convicted of a felony. Four out of the last seven, 57%. If you were an individual in Illinois, you would have a better chance of avoiding jail by flipping a coin. Heads being jail, tails being no jail, than by being elected governor of Illinois. Let's say you're the present governor of Illinois, and you're in a room with a former governor of Illinois on your right, and a former governor of Illinois on your left. Chances are the room you're in is jail. I see veganism as looking at ourselves in the Michael Jackson mentioned mirror, that rather than blaming others, often far away, doing things we ourselves do not participate in, we can instead look at what we are responsible for, what we can be responsible for. That instead of having chickens killed and fried for us, 
We can have chicken friends, cuddled, assuming they want to be picked up, like when Black Chick chooses to sit on my knee and be patted. This Chicago situation seems nuts. This giant American city, corrupt from top to bottom, politically? Well, my next geocache is about a fictional person from Chicago, Ferris Bueller, from the 1980s movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've hidden an ex-army ammo tin containing a DVD copy of the movie to be borrowed in my city for people to find the starting spot through GPS, the coordinates for the initial spot are given, then they play an audio recording I've made, walking the route to find two clues, each giving half the final location's GPS coordinates. Ferris Bueller, Chicago's finest fictional son, although even he lied to his family by pretending to be sick, using all kinds of synthesizers and mannequins in the bed so he could skip school, steal a classic Ferrari, and visit an art museum, sing in a parade. Well, that's, apparently, Chicago for you. References are important, as proven by this recent New Zealand celebrity story. Quote, an inspiring actor and his mum forced themselves to eat two dinners last night after strolling down the street and spotting actor Orlando Bloom through the window of a Lone Star restaurant. We weren't originally going out for dinner, we'd already eaten, but we got ourselves a table at Lone Star and sat there with the man himself, Liz Rays of Auckland said. Rays and her 16-year-old son, Daniel Crookham, a student at Criston uh, High School in Albany, were walking to the corner store about 9pm to buy bottled water. They obviously haven't heard the Food Empowerment Project talk at the National Animal Rights Conference in New Zealand. Foodempowermentproject.com and .org, I should say too. Uh, they went 9pm to buy bottled water when they first noticed Bloom back in the capital for the filming of The Hobbit. Despite having eaten already, the star-struck vegetarians booked a table at the predominantly meaty restaurant just to get a glimpse of the star. He was dining out with three other guys. We got him to sign our Lone Star menu, and as he was walking out of the restaurant, we got a photo of him. Not sure how a reporter would get this info. Did the fans go to the Herald with, gee, that Orlando Bloom is a really nice man and we should support him, and the New Zealand economy, by going to those Hobbit movies? Sounds like a PR stunt for the Hobbit. In any way, there's no way the reporter would have asked, are you vegetarians, right? Obviously they would have said something like, we don't normally go to this restaurant, we're actually vegetarian. I think it's great to mention that we are vegan, that we should always make the most of an opportunity to promote veganism, just by having the word in our largest national newspaper. You know, those things people don't buy anymore? Well, by having it on the website of the largest national text-based reporting company thing, it really is important. It will be a free ad for veganism. I honestly don't remember ever hearing the term vegan before I was essentially vegan. Certainly I was a self-described vegetarian, and I think everyone born in the past 50 years has some kind of understanding of that term, vegetarian, they don't eat meat. We're making vegan have a similar level of mainstreamness. <laughs> Hopefully it can be more accurate than they don't eat meat, though. Interesting how non-vegans use terms such as I eat meat, while probably being upset if we said we disagree about killing other animals. Always be sure to mention being vegan, whenever you can. You have that power. Other animals we kill by the tens of billions are very gentle and kind. Talk to them, and you'll see. You're in charge of what happens to them. I know you can feel love and compassion. You have a wonderful chance to show the whole world you can be merciful, as well as strong. Go vegan. You have the power.
Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz. If you'd like to contact me, I'd really love to hear from you. Please send me an email to jaywontdart at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, Jordan Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things, and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.